It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780, live around the world at SportsTimeMaine.com. Aaron Morse filling in for Matty B on this Friday. Dave Wing, the coach, former UMaine quarterback, joining us in studio as always. And coach, you know, before we get started with the Celtics talk, you know, I hear former UMaine quarterback. I want to know what that experience was like for you. Uh, what was your favorite memory, um, you know, playing QB at, at Maine, and, and and how often uh, do you get to go back and do you have season tickets or anything like that? <laughs> actually, I don't. I, I, I actually go to homecoming because Gusel Blank gives me the tickets. Oh yeah, he but, has season uh, tickets. Right, he yeah. does. <laughs> I uh, it was it was fantastic. You know, I mean, I'm a kid from Maine. I went to Brewer High School. I I, I only went to high school there, though. I didn't grow up there. We we moved quite a few times. Um, I, I was thinking about Haley and I had lunch yesterday. And I was thinking about the recruitment process. Mm-hmm. When I went to Maine in those days, they could have kids on campus once, and what they did is they had a couple of uh, football days where you came on a Saturday and you were there for the day. Sometimes it was for a game. Uh, a lot of times it would be over the winter, and you you'd be there and you'd see a basketball game at the pit and whatever and. My one of my great memories of my recruitment process, because I only live twelve miles away, so yeah. I didn't have to stay overnight or any of those things. I don't think any of the guys stayed overnight. Right, they had a limit on that. But anyway, um, I uh, one of the assistant coaches called, said, uh, "Dave, could I see you for a minute?" I said, "Would you Would you come with me?" Yeah, I don't know what's going on. The other forty <laughs> guys are on a tour of. They're going to go head up the campus on campus and whatever. And yeah. I said, "Sure." And he, he takes me upstairs in the athletic area. There's what they called, it's kind of like sacred ground, the trophy room. It had all the old, it's kind of a favorite place for fans to go when they want to see the history of University of Maine athletics. Yeah. And it's a little, it's not bright, bright. It's There's only a couple lights on there, so it's kind of an interesting atmosphere. I go in, Harold Westerman, the head coach and athletic director, is there, and he shakes my hand, invites me in, and I sit down a chair. He sits, it's in a corner. You know, he's in, he's at the end of the table. I'm in the first one-on-one, so right kitty corner. 45 minutes I had with the head coach, just me. Wow. That's what I said. (laughs) And and anybody that didn't know Westy, he was the gentleman's gentleman. Soft-spoken, very classy guy, easy to talk to. Uh, you know, and and I, he got, he got me to talk a lot about myself even, but I know when I think back on it, he's trying to find out what what's it, what's this kid going to be like because yeah. he could be a quarterback, and I want to make sure. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I, I one of the decisions for me to go to Maine, and I'll tell you about the other part of this, um, was because of that. I got forty five minutes alone with the head coach. Right now, maybe so did every other kid there. I don't know what the <laughs> but other you kids didn't know did. that. Yeah. I don't know what they did or not. All yeah. I know is I did. And I was some impressed. And and the interesting part for that, my conversation with Westy is, Westy's just like my dad. My This, this is the stupidest thing ever. My dad didn't drink, mm-hmm. and I never heard him swear. Wow. Till I was 40 years old. You know, <laughs> and then of, he started swearing? I mean, he, yeah. Okay, I can swear now. He's yeah. 40. Yeah. No, I mean, I just that's, he's just a nice guy. Yeah. Gentle. Didn't raise his voice. Didn't rant and ra- He just wasn't that kind of a guy. Right. Um, and so it reminded me of my dad. Um, uh, but anyway, so the other part of the equation is I got accepted at Colby. 
I yeah. probably shouldn't mention the name on the air because because it isn't going to be good. So I got accepted <laughs> at Colby. <It's> okay. <laughs> Two things. I looked at the at what the financial aid package from Colby was, and I said to my dad, "Hold on, you you have to pay that much for me to go to Colby." Right. He goes, "Yeah, we're all set." And I go, "No, that doesn't make sense to me." First of all, mm-hmm. so the head coach invited me to Colby for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Now remember, I came. I wasn't a drinker. I, I didn't drink in high school. Right. Until I was 21. Right. So suddenly he throws me into the fraternity atmosphere. I and I'm. Are they a frats there? I'm paired up with a guy. Okay. I'm paired uh, up with a guy. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they still do. Because be Bates is not. I don't yeah. know about Colby. Yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah. Um, Josh went to Wesleyan. Wesleyan did. They did. Okay. Um, I don't know that Con did though. To be honest with you. But anyway, so I go there, and the guy that they was kind of my guy for the weekend. My my partner, yeah, he's drunk the whole weekend, and <laughs> I was there in a place that and you're like, what do I do? Yeah, well, it was just crazy for me. I know I never been in those kind of atmospheres. When yeah. I was in high school, I played three sports, so I had an athletic code all the time, and the friends that I hung around with, we just did stupid, naive little things. You know, we didn't do, we didn't go to big drinking parties, and mm-hmm. this wasn't for me. It wasn't what I wanted. Right. So I was in this atmosphere that I was totally disgusted with <laughs> and actually want to come home early yeah that made my decision of whether to go there or maine pretty and those wow. are the only two places i applied um so that and, was that was my recruiting experience now it's interesting once i was a player at maine walter interesting enough westy resigned and oh. didn't coach the next year walter oh, yeah. was a head coach so I, yeah. all that feeling about getting a relationship with westy going he wasn't the coach but yeah, that's near the end of there. I did work at his summer camp, though. He had a summer camp. Well, that yeah. can be frustrating with college, you know, recruiting is that. Oh, absolutely. You know, the person who recruited you might be gone the next year. And then what do you do? It's like, well, I came here because this guy, and now I'm meeting a whole new person. <laughs> you remember Ryan Weston that went to Bates? Do you remember? Basketball player? You, now, maybe you just, how long have <laughs> you been here? I started in 2015. Might have been a senior, but maybe he maybe he'd graduate. I think he was a senior though. But anyway, basketball player from Bangor. Yeah, and he got recruited by Furbush. Sure, who went to Wesleyan? Well, no, Furbush. No, no, Furbush. The guys here. The, the old Bates coach went. The to old Wesleyan. Bates coach Bates went is to now Wesleyan. Here. Uh, yeah. Furbush is still here. Sorry, yeah. wrong name. Yeah, I got you. And, though. and yeah. he felt that a little bit. He, he called me. Goes. Well, that would be many years ago because Furbush has been the coach for a while now at Bates. Okay, so maybe I missed a couple of years. Let, uh, me, let me pull it up. Anyway, Ryan said to me, "Geez, the guy that I to get recruited me is it's going to Wesleyan." Right. I said, "Well, you want to go to Wesleyan?" He goes, "No, I want to go to Bates." Yeah, stuck so with he, it. So he stayed. He played basketball for four years. Yeah, and he played football too. He played basketball. Uh, oh, nice. He's, he's yeah. a good lineman, big, big, strong kid. Um, so anyway. The other side of that, once I'm a player at Maine, yeah. Walter knew I was pretty straight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he he would say to me, he'd say, hey, can I he'd give me a call and say, can you stop up the office and whatever? And he said, hey, I got, I got Aaron Morse coming in this weekend. He's a, <laughs> he's a kid that we want to get. He's a tackle, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I'd like to have you, you know, take care of him this weekend. Yeah. And he'd give me the old stink eye. I knew what he meant. No drinking, no right. girls, no, you know, whatever. And so I made sure that we got the pats for a pizza and we, <laughs> you know, we did some other things. But Walton knew that the kid wasn't going to have the kind of experience that I had when I went to that school 
Yeah, up north a little bit. Can you believe this is this was Furbush's tenth year as the head coach of Bates? Holy smokes! Yeah, can't <laughs> possibly have been that long. He's, he's been the coach for ten Where years. Where does the time yeah. go? Well, he graduated from Bates in two thousand five. He obviously played yeah. there, yeah. and then um, yeah, he became the head coach a few years later, really, and uh, has been there now ten years. So wow. Yep. So I was wrong about that. <laughs> That's why I didn't remember the name of the guy That's you were talking weird. about. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of what Ryan did after he graduated then, because I don't you know. I mean, he, co- he coached at Hudson for a long time. I don't know. What did you say his name uh, was? Ryan Weston. Ryan Weston. Okay. So he would have graduated uh, well, about 2008. 12, so years ago, I guess. Let's see here. History and archives going back into the He might have. Would he have? No, he wouldn't have. Because well, the guy he got the guy who recruited him left, so he went, yeah, two thousand eight sounds about right. Let's see. So I got to see a few games yeah. in the Bates gym. Yeah, sure, watching him play alumni gym, which is by the way getting a facelift. Ooh, yes. What are they, what are they doing? They are um, installing new bleachers and a new floor. What for alumni gym? Yep. Is that a good thing? Uh, well, I think so. I mean. The floor, sometimes the ball would bounce kind of funny on it, so it's probably home, a good thing. Home court advantage. Brian Woolley was his name, or Brian? Weston, W-E-S-T-O-N, Weston, okay. Ryan. So I found him. I'm working on it. Ryan Weston, okay. Uh. <laughs> could check football, too. He played football. Yeah. Yeah, so Alumni Gym right now, if you go there and look, you can't go actually in the gym, but you can go in the building, and you can look, and you will see that there is, um, the, the floor is completely torn up. So, so I don't understand what they're doing with the bleachers. Well, the bleachers were old too. <laughs> no, I understand yeah. that, but uh, they're adding some bleachers. Are they going to put seats in or bleachers? The, I believe it's still going to be bleachers, but it's going to be like bleachers that won't like fall apart on you. <laughs> Is there still going to be the heat yeah. pipe in the end that you can? Uh, no, that they fixed burned. that. They fixed that a while. Ago. Okay, I, I always <laughs> like to tell that story. Yeah, don't lean back. Right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so oh here he is, Ryan Weston. I found him from Bangor, six foot five, two hundred and forty-five pounds. Oh, big kid, big man, yeah. yeah. And those, uh, yep. He played tight. Well, he played tight end at Bangor, and they moved into. He played tight end first, maybe two years. At okay, age. so he was class twenty twelve. Then they so, moved him. Then they moved him to. Oh, okay, class twenty twelve. But when he was a first year, that would have been like yeah. around the time. So he was there yeah. while Furbish was there. That's yeah. true. He played for Furbish. That's why the name was right. Yeah, he would have played for him, and he probably was first introduced to Bates by the old coach before he left for Wesley and everything. So there you go. But um, yeah, so Alumni Gym will have a new look to it next year, and people are pretty excited about that. Well, so. it's hard, um, you know, when they start to refurbish something that it's had a certain feel to it, and yeah. you, you don't want to lose that because that's one of the things that the kids on campus really love is it, it's. Particular, it's peculiar. It's, oh yeah, you know, I mean, it's still going to have the same vibe to it. It's just going to be a nicer floor and nicer. Seats. We used to say that it, you, you've never been to Maine, right? I've been to the Maine football stadium. I did a, a high school championship game there. Oh, that's right, Brunswick. Yeah. Um, a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. The but. the uh, <laughs> alumni gymnasium used to be called the Pit. <laughs> Down, like literally, because it was like a pit, or yeah, like, really, yeah. Well, <laughs> the gym floor. Had bleachers on both sides. Yeah. And then upstairs, there was seating, but it ran up, up you know, real diagonal up to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And there were seats on both ends upstairs, so you could lean over. You couldn't swipe at the ball or anything, but you could lean over. So the visiting team felt like they were in the Coliseum, the old Roman Coliseum, you know, with everything all around them and whatever. <laughs> right, right, it, right. It was a definite home court advantage. The problem was... it. I mean, there wasn't much to it. There weren't many seats. Uh-huh. So, of course, when they put the ice, new ice rink in, Alphonse Arena, they 
they made it, you know, so that they could put down a subfloor and, and tell play. me about Alphonse because everything's named after him. Colby has everything named after him. Oh, all of, uh, Kent's yeah. Hill. I mean, all over the place. Every, all over Maine. The Waterville Boys and Girls Club. The I mean, they, who, yeah. Who is he? He he was <laughs> just a guy. Just and a guy. He, he owned Dexter Shoe okay. way back. Okay. It started in Dexter. Yeah. And then, of course, spread all over the place. Yeah. And um, he made a ton of money. <laughs> Clearly. <and laughs> bought, bought bought other companies. Right. And then when he decided he wanted to get out of the business, I, I don't know exactly the inner workings of how this worked for him, but mm. they gave, when they, the company that wanted to buy Dexter Shoe... Uh, I think they even changed the name now. And uh, I don't. Is there a Dexter Shoe? I've anymore? never heard I don't, of Dexter Shoe. I don't Shoe. think so. Yeah. yeah. So, um, they gave him an option of either taking some. Oh, no, there is Dexter Shoe. Company. Some stock, or ba ba ba. Anyway, so whatever he picked was a little bit of a gamble, but it made him a ton of money. Right. And so he started uh, way back when he first got any money. Yeah. And he started. Um, I think he might have started at Colby, uh, the rink, the original rink. I don't know what they're going to name the new one, uh, but the original rink was Alphond uh, Arena. Their football stadium is named after. Yeah, them. and that that's a recent, that's more nice. recent. I, I, it wasn't like that when I played. <laughs> trust me. Um, H. H. Brown bought it, I guess. Yeah, and um, so anyway, he he made it his goal to give back to the community communities really mm-hmm. and he always had a little bit of a hook in it for instance when i was the ad at skowhegan we decided we want to have lights we didn't have lights before mm-hmm. so we got a figure for what it would cost and we got the poles donated we got the da 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 so we we had we a list of what we had to buy yeah and or uh, subcontract to put in here's our bottom line figure so we started raising money we knew it would take us at least a year and I had coached at Colby, and because that's that was kind of where his home was at, around Colby. Yeah, and so you were willing to go back to Colby to coach, even though hate you. Hate I know I did go back to Colby <laughs> to coach, and uh, um, so I one time, Winkin John Winkin was the AD, and he had us out to his uh, house on the lake, and Harold was there. So I oh. he knew who I was, yeah. but if you'd said Dave Wing, he'd have gone. Let's see, where do I know that name from? You know, mm-hmm. not. I mean, we weren't pals or anything, right, trust me, but right. he would probably know who I was. Yeah. So I called his office and said, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, uh, I'll check with him and I'll call you back. I got a call back fairly quickly mm-hmm. and said, this is what he'd be willing to, um, uh, let's see, what's the word for this? In other words, if we raise $5,000, he'll give you $5,000. Oh, he'll match it. He'll match it. Yeah. And so- in kind. In kind. I think it was, yeah. So it was early on in the process, and I didn't, you know, what else? I think she said up to. Okay. Anyway, he donated, I mean, Scott Wigan, you kidding me? And no, there was no, we didn't have to thank, I mean, we thanked him in the program and stuff like that. But right. It, it wasn't a great amount, but it was just the fact that he was willing to jump in. Yeah. Can you imagine how many of those requests he gets? Right. So then um, everywhere you looked, he did like to have his name on it. <laughs> the, I can tell. The, Alphon, the Alphonse Center in yeah. Waterville has got the Boys and Girls Club and yeah. whatever. The I think part of the Cancer Research Hospital has got his name on it. Uh, 
But I don't blame him. He it's just he's putting forth the money and whatever. You I can't leave a legacy I, that way. Like. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Kent Hill, his uh, one of his sons went to Kent Hill, mm-hmm. the Alphonse Center. It's a rink and basketball court with a fitness center in between. It's, it's small because the campus is small, but it's yeah. nice. Named after him, the Bates student body president Walter Washington, who also plays football, he went to Kent Hill. Yeah, for- and um, so anyway, and then what he started was uh, he had this idea that you know young parents uh, they wouldn't know exactly what to do about their kid going on to college, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because I have I disagree with what the end result of this is, but anyway, he said. If you apply for this, I will give you X amount of money for any kid in Maine that you think might be going on to college or whatever, and you put it in a fund and let it grow mm-hmm. and add to it and so on. Because my reply to that would be, it's wonderful. What a wonderful idea for education. Yeah. You and I know, having gone on to college, that if you have $10,000 in the bank, they're going to take it, for you know, in other words, for your tuition and whatever, sure. the first year. <laughs> you, you know, you're better off almost not to have it. Right, for a, financial it's a, aid purposes. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a foolish thing to say, but right. that's the way the system works. Right, 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 yeah. I was saying, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but when when my dad, when the grandkids were all born, first thing he said to us is get a Social Security number. So when Josh is 10 days old, I got a Social Security number for him. Well, yeah, don't you have to? Or Well, that you don't have to right then, but oh, made sure. Okay. And uh, so anyway, he started putting money into Josh was the oldest, but into all of their in all of their names. Yeah. And it grew and it grew, and he kept adding a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I right. mean, he wasn't putting in a hundred thousand dollars. He no. put in a little bit. Yeah. And uh, when it came time for the college application thing, we all were reminded that it was they were all in his name with the kid as a sub you know, yeah. in my dad's name, and then it had Joshua, Joshua on it, and my dad's name, and then my daughter's name, Aaron. Right. Anyway, so when we went to the process, honestly, I can honestly say they didn't have a savings account. He paid the taxes on it. It wasn't in, you know, whatever. The day they graduated, in an envelope, they got they got the thing and said, you just need to make a call to that number, and they'll convert it to your name only. Oh, Nice. But he did that because he knew, you know, what what that was. Yeah. My sister and I both went to Maine, and uh, he said, "Hey, you won't have to lose it that first year. You can save it." So it's interesting. There are there are uh, seven grandchildren, and no, eight grandchildren. And <laughs> my kids are the only two that kept the money. You know, the others have, you know, for good reasons. They they wanted to sure. furnish an apartment or whatever. Right. <laughs> You can't believe over the time. I mean, Josh is thirty-five. How that has grown? I bet. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and they, they both still have theirs. Josh says, "Well, at some point, if Lauren and I ever decide we, we want to buy a place, right? We've got a there you go. a partial piece of it. You know? Yeah. So, but anyway, the the whole college recruiting thing. Uh, I know when I coached at Colby. We, I was given a list of names. I think I had 15 names. Mm-hmm. And after practice, I divided them up during the, the whole week. So tonight, I would call these four names. Right. Hey, Aaron Morris, how you doing? Just checking in on you. How's school going? How's your season going? Yeah. Just having a conversation. You know, don't forget, you know, 
be thinking about Kobe and we'd love to have you stop up and, you know, just a quick, you know, and I, I didn't call every kid every week, but you rotated it through and yeah. you got back to him maybe a, two, three weeks later, go through the whole process again. And uh, so, uh, and that was the only contact. That that was it. Right. And uh, So you didn't have to go on the road or anything like that? No, we never went on the road. No, not allowed. Yeah, not allowed. Not allowed. Right, you were even allowed. Not allowed. Yeah. Now, at Maine, they were allowed to go on the road. Yeah. Our coaches uh, can go on the road, but they can't talk to the students on the road. So like they can go evaluate them. But they can't like at Maine. What they could do is uh, the guidance office would say they make an announcement. Representative of the University of Maine will be here on uh, Tuesday, uh-huh. and sometimes that representative and one of the assistant coaches would come together, and they made sure, for instance, Dave Wings on the list to be sure that he sees him and whatever. And yeah, same thing. How you doing? How are your grades? You know, so on and so forth. You know, because they're checking to find out through guidance whether you can get in. You know that kind of thing. Right. So we've talked about the to the Bates coaches about that. What? Yeah. What What's it like now? What do they do now at Bates? Well, it's, I mean, it's similar in terms of like, I mean, as I was saying, like the the rules are in the conference is like, you can travel, and our coaches do travel a lot to see kids play and everything. Because I mean, it's more involved. You you definitely want you can't just go by numbers. You got to see them play, but they can't talk with them when we're there the kid can send a film in because that's big now oh yeah oh yeah oh gosh well kids are putting their stuff on youtube oh every kid has a film now of something yeah oh no and a lot of it can be seen on youtube but i mean but yeah i think i mean there are certain there's a lot of uh bates has camps so like um i know one of our softball players our first year softball player is doing really well caroline bass she never actually like didn't like you're allowed an overnight stay as a recruit um, she didn't do one, but she, what she did do is come to a bunch of camps when she was in high school and stuff. So they, they do like high school, they call them clinics, but like, so, and so the coaches and players instruct these kids, these high school students, and sometimes even, um, middle school or even youth. And that, that develops a relationship right there. Like if you grow up going to a camp every summer where you're instructed by, you know, Bates college students and coaches, you're going to develop an affinity to the school. And if you're good enough and it's a good fit, you know, they get recruits that way. Sometimes, so that's that's a helpful thing, um, certainly. And field hockey does that. Women's soccer, softball, basketball, so on and so forth. So the the uh, now that's Division three. Let me tell you. Yeah, there's Division three, but there's also NESCAC rules. Yeah, in within Division three rules. <laughs> my my oh, they're much more strict. Yes, NESCAC's very right, strict. Right. My my wife, as you know, is a big uh, big in USA hockey. Yeah, and uh, she runs uh, the level one clinic for every youth hockey coach in the state of Maine. They have to take her clinic. It's mandatory. Mm-hmm they want to coach yeah but she also works sometimes the national development camp sometimes it's been at uh well it's been at university of vermont before uh-huh. it's been at uh, where were the olympics in new york um they had the olympics in new york one time oh upstate pardon where was it i don't know yeah anyway the, oh think, oh they had them uh lake placid lake placid sorry i couldn't, I couldn't think I like, of lake placid i think in new york city like, anyway yeah, she lake yeah not, not that Mir- <laughs> miracle on ice miracle on yeah. ice yeah. so she she's gone to different places now yeah so they have instructors come in just like you're talking about for clinics different uh-huh. kind of a clinic yeah but if aaron morse coaches a division one team uh-huh cannot work at the clinic oh, okay in that regard yeah if there are kids that are I can't remember whether it's juniors, seniors. There's an age thing that they can't work with them because 
uh, it's it's yeah. illegal recruitment, right? Of some sort. Right. Well, like, yeah, I, I I don't think you're you know you can hold the camps, but you can't like talk up like come to Bates or like, yeah. it's an implied thing though, like you're developing relationships and everything. Well, she according to her, whatever the the Division One coaches are very clear about what they can do and what they can't do, and right. they they don't even pretend. They I know, know. Jim I, in the football uh, in football. I know Harbaugh, the Michigan coach, was doing like camps. In Florida, and that was ticking off all the SEC people. They, yeah, <laughs> so they can do certain camps. I think I'm not sure how. Did that you works, see? But. I don't know if it's going to work because he hasn't won the big games that everybody thought he, he finished would. Fourth in the Big Ten East last year, and everyone's like, "Oh, but like, and he hasn't beaten Ohio State yet. That's not a good thing." No, yeah, you have to beat Ohio oh, State. No question. Uh, his time's going to run out. But I got to say, if oh yeah, and you know what, and he'll get bored with if he doesn't win. Yeah, that's his personality. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but you know these last two springs, mm-hmm. they went to Rome this year. Oh, the Michigan whole football program, right? Yeah, some big donor spent two hundred ninety thousand dollars, something like that. I bet. Can you imagine that? Those huge. And rosters. they went to, and it showed because ESPN had a whole thing about them seeing this and seeing that and making comments yeah. and the history and yeah, it was incredible. And then last year. They go to Ireland last. I don't know. They anyway. The last two springs, it's been, whoa. Why wouldn't a kid want to go to? Why wouldn't a kid want to go to Michigan? Yeah, you know, that kind yeah, of. Yeah, they're thing. having but a great experience, except for the fact that they're not winning. His problem is, yeah, well, he hasn't had a quarterback. Right, and he's a quarterback guy. Yeah, you would I mean, think they would get a good quarterback. That, that was his specialty at Stanford, and and he got something out of Kaepernick for goodness sakes. Well, he was. I mean, I remember when Kaepernick was leading the 49ers to the NFC title game. That's when Harbaugh yeah. was the coach. That's right. Yep. And they, you know, so. And it's weird, and he hasn't been able to. He, he rotated through a couple of different guys. And you think and Michigan just, produced Tom Brady? Why can't you get more great? Quarterbacks? And at the same time, Brady was there. Uh, he played Henson, behind Henson. Henson was there. I mean, they they've had quarterbacks. Greasy there. was there. Uh, uh, Gerback, Elvis Gerback. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had some quarterbacks through the years that yeah. have been decent, but not recently. So. Oh, that's for sure. Well, we'll talk some Boston Celtics. What a win last night for the Celtics, coming back from 22 points down. On the other side of this break, Celtics and the Sixers so far advantage Boston. This is the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online at SportsTimeMaine.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com forward slash ortho. Remember when your kids spent vacation week telling you how bored they were? Yeah, you're going to have to have a whole summer of that. Until you remember. Registration is now open for University of Southern Maine's summer camps. They've got basketball, they've got soccer, they've got ice hockey, and they have a ton more. I haven't even scratched the surface on this. Find the registration links now. Go to usm.maine.edu. That's usm.maine.edu 
and search summer camps. University of Southern Maine summer camps, where kids should spend the summer. We believe in better, a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee and Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee and Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 on Online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation, making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1 888 980 Wave or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online around the world at SportsTimeMaine.com. Aaron Morris, Coach Dave Wing, spent the first quarter talking some uh, recruiting, talking about the UMaine, what it was like back in the day, what it was like now, Division Three, NETSCAC, all sorts of topics. Now let's get into current events. The Boston Celtics 
up 2-0 on the 76ers, coming back from 22 points down to win 108-103 last night. And, well, Coach, we were talking about this off-air, but Ben Simmons played 31 minutes for the 76ers. He's been kind of like their star this year. Um, not so much yesterday. One point, he had a plus-minus of negative 23, meaning when he was on the floor, the 76ers were outscored by 23 points yesterday. Seven assists, five rebounds, 0-4 shooting. Boston shut him down. What did you see, Coach? Well, if you saw Philadelphia against Miami, you said the Celtics don't have a chance before game sweep, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, when you've gotten into the game, uh, two things are very evident. Uh, somebody else will probably be coach of the year, but it should be Brad Stevens. Oh, yeah. When you look at the injuries and what he's been able to make out of it, and the 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 basketball people who have talked on sports radio have said, number one, he'll out-coach Brett Brown, even though Brown's a pretty good coach. Um, and he'll find a way to make it work. And you know what? He did. Now, the first game, um, I mean, the Celtics dominated him. They were so hot. I think they shot 45% from three-point land and f- over 50% for the game for all shots. Yeah. But last night uh, it was the opposite. It looks like, whoops, you know, Cinderella has, <laughs> that pumpkin has arrived the to take her away. Midnight. That's it, baby. Yeah. And, uh, that what Philly was doing was they were setting a lot of real quick screens with Embiid and, and whatever for guys like um, uh, J.J. Redick and whatever. Yeah, quick Redick jump shots. 23 points. He was unbelievable. He got 13 in the first period. Yeah. And looked like, oh, they're going to blow him out. Well, gee, the Celtics made a couple of defensive adjustments. And and really the, the, the game was won late in the second period. The Celtics were down 22 points. Yeah. Seriously, it looked like a blowout. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, they, they hit a couple of threes. Rozier hit a, a three. We were talking about it off air. And then suddenly, as as what happens in, with a 24-second clock, it doesn't take long to come back if the other team makes a few mistakes. And yeah. they did. They didn't hit a couple shots. Uh, Bruins played good defense. Uh, Bruins. Celtics <laughs> played good defense, and they tipped the ball away. And suddenly, it's a five-point game at halftime. I think it was something like a fifteen to five run. That'll that'll change the complexity of the game. And right. then in the second half, you could see Philly tighten up. Now they still played well enough to keep it within a. It was less than a ten point game at the end. Yeah. But um, they were able to keep and beat outside a little bit more. They put a couple different kinds of guys on him. In other words, they asked Brad Stevens about. It. He said, "Well, first we had so and so, and then we had so and so." What he didn't say was each one of those guys play him a little bit differently. One guy uh, tries to get right up in him and not let him get the ball. Another guy makes sure he can't drive. And, you know, do you want your seven-footer shooting from outside? Eh, probably not because inside he's unstoppable. Right. And uh, and early in the first half, he was just ran over guys. As a matter of fact, I thought there should have been two offensive fouls <laughs> on him that weren't called. Yeah. Um, but I think it came down to a simple point of, uh, the Celtics know what they're supposed to do. We've seen it all year long. They get down. You can't turn the game up because they come back. Yeah. Even when they get beat at the end, they come back. And uh, it's been a while since we've seen a listless, no hustle game out of the out of the Celtics. Right. They play. I think they've since Brad Stevens has been there. And it's funny. This is not a guy that rants and raves, and he's a pretty upbeat, a positive guy. Oh yeah. 
Even in practice, when they show clips, when he's not even looking, you can see smiles on his face. He never gets too high or no, too low. No, and that's what he wants his team to be. They right. don't get flustered. Yeah. They, they're, they, they're a mirror of their coach, and the game is never over. Right. I mean, even the, the game that they beat Houston at home, they were down and looked like, well, it's not they got Remember, they got the two offensive fouls on uh, on Harden and ended up winning the game right at the end. I, you just don't know. But, but I think that the they play really well at home. I've got to say that. There's a little caveat there because now they're going to go to Philly for two. And Rozier, for whatever reason, the three games in Milwaukee, the two games, no, the three games in Milwaukee, he didn't shoot well at all. Mm. And they lost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know I, if he can overcome that. Then I would say the Celtics could they'll win this series. If he can't, it's going to come down to they're going to have to win. Defend your home court. The two games at home, and that's yeah. why you have home court advantage, right? And in basketball, for I don't know if it's because I don't know why, but <laughs> in basketball it seems to make so much more of a difference than it does in any other sport. In hockey, psh, throw it out. You know, it's nice to have to know that the seventh game, if there yeah. is one, is going to be at your place. But in hockey, there are more upsets. I mean, with the lower seeded right. team all the time. I feel like in basketball, well, the fan—I mean, the fans are on top of you in hockey, also. But I mean, I mean, literally, like the fan. I mean, in basketball, like you're you're, you're standing there on the sideline trying to inbounds and like in like the guy sitting in the chin, yeah, next the, to the right, coach, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but also, I feel like the shooting, like. When you're on the home court, you're used to the shooting background. I mean, I I don't know how big of a deal that is, but I feel like it can only help where because like in hockey, you know, every every rank, every backdrop is going to be pretty much the same, really, right? I mean, sometimes the boards are different. This oh, board's okay. more springy, whatever. But With the actual remember, like, there's glass all the way, plus the glass all the way yeah. around. You, I think you're more down in there, focused. I I don't think the right. arena, even though they're loud, I don't think you can hear them as well. With, yeah. the, with the plexi Slight and, noise. and yeah. whatever. And uh, I don't know. I, I just think it's different. But basketball. Teams are just more comfortable shooting on their home court, I feel like. They've, yeah. They're have they constantly practicing there. I, I've said, I've told this story. I played basketball in high school. Matter of fact, I was the captain. And uh, we Brewer High School just had a regular gym like everybody else. Had a stage at one end for yeah. productions and whatever. And the other end was a wall and they put pads on it and whatever. So the first time I went to play at the Bangor Auditorium, that's where Bangor High School played their games in those days. They play it. They play in their own gym now. Okay. Well, it's too expensive to rent the whole Bangor Auditorium. To, well, it's not even the Bangor Auditorium. Cross Insurance Arena or whatever it is. Oh, there yeah. They have two, there's two Cross Insurance Arenas, right? There's right. one in Bangor, one in Portland. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it used to be the Bangor Auditorium, and it's just like an NBA thing. It, the, they, they wheel out the basketball thing, and it's got this big, long whatever, and the basket just hangs there. First time I took a jump shot during a game, it didn't hit anything. It just went, and I'm thinking. I look back <laughs> up at the basket like, wow. Yeah, it's just a different There's no depth perception. It, yeah. That's, it's like, wow. I, how did I, I didn't even hit anything. Well, and you see I that, was never a great shooter, but I didn't hit anything. Well, in college basketball, they'll play like the final four in like a football stadium. Oh, my God. And like, it's like, how do you even shoot there? Like, yeah. there's no backdrop. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I mean, eventually, the good shooters... You get used to it. You, well, and you, you zero in the yeah. backboard, that's it, nothing else. Right. And, but I think when you first start, it, it's amazing, that wide open. Yeah. And, and even, even I, I've seen guys step out of bounds, not realizing the end of the court, because it, it just seems so big, <laughs> yeah. like there's more room, you know? Yeah. No more room. Is it still the same size basketball court? Yeah. That's a, I love that clip in Hoosiers. You've seen the movie, yes. right? Yes. Where the guy goes in the big championship game and he gets the tape measure out and he goes, 
Wow. 10 feet to the following. That's just like at home. Yeah. <laughs> How far to the basket? 10 feet? Well, that's the same as at home. Right, right. Yeah, it looks a little different, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Celtics have been so much fun. Um, and without, and they haven't had the stars. All, I mean, Haywood was out six minutes into the first game. And then since then, it's been one injury after another. Yeah. It's been pretty remarkable what Brad Stevens has done, considering the adversity they've gone through. And obviously, everyone wrote them off with Kyrie being out. And clearly- Oh, as soon as everybody said Kyrie, everybody said, well, okay, so next year, you know, and maybe they're not going to even beat Philly. I don't know. All I can say is they got a lot of heart. I think they'll beat Philly. I think that Stevens has been out coaching people. I mean, honestly, when you look at who Milwaukee had for physical, athletic Players. The Greek freak, right? The Greek freak, and he's not the only one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had some players, but, I mean, Jabari Parker was almost an afterthought on that team. He he was, right. na- wasn't he National Player of the Year when he was at Duke? Or if he wasn't, he could have been. He was great at Duke. He was yeah. great, but I know he's been hurt. But anyway, but they don't, Stevens embarrassed that coach. It was so bad. <laughs> and even though it took us seven games, it took us seven games because they were better than we were. You know, we I, beat him anyway. I'm really actually kind of sad that Hayward and Irving are out because I really wanted to see if anyone could stop LeBron because it seems like no one's going to – I mean, it seems like Cavaliers are destined for the NBA Finals. Well, I think the hard part there is I don't like the guy, first of all. <laughs> and, you know, my daughter says to me, Dad, she, she's not a basketball person, as you know. She's a hockey person, too. She said, Dad, he's never had a scandal. Right. He's never, I mean, she went down through the list, and I said, I know, but I still don't like him. <laughs> well, uh, any self-respecting Celtics fans should not. No, like and he never had the right person in his ear telling him, don't talk about yourself like you're some god every day. Oh, well, he's close People to get, god. I know he is, isn't he? <laughs> That's what she said. He's pretty close, Dad. Pretty and close. I go, no, I don't like want to hear the that. perfect, like, athletic specimen. Here's the thing. He's, he's 6'8", 230 pounds of... Pure linebacker yeah. of linebacker who can shoot. Yes. He didn't used to be able to shoot. He when he first shoot came now. in the league, he can yeah. shoot now. <laughs> and when he drives the lane, Watch first out. of all, he overpowers somebody trying to cover him. And yeah. secondly, when he does it, they give him the call anyway. That, I think that's the most frustrating thing. <laughs> Between traveling and him throwing his off arm out. Yeah, the NBA has always been like oh, a star-oriented league. It's star-oriented. I mean, Jordan got all the calls back in the day. The stars always get the calls. They all get the calls. Yeah. And I feel bad for rookie because you're going to get screwed. Right. right? There isn't any question about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think th- those things frustrate me about him. And, you know, they were saying on the radio coming in today, they said, you know, honestly, with this Cleveland team, this needs to be selfish, LeBron, if he expects right. it to make it. He can't, no... you know, who's he passing to? Yeah. Love. Love can shoot, but he's hurt all the time. <laughs> there was he needs to just – he got 71% of their points last night, either by points or, <laughs> or assist. direct assists. Yeah. And and it's going to have to be that way. They don't have much around him. And Maddie and I have been talking about. So is he going to leave? Where's he going? Oh yeah, that's, leaves, that's the question. Do you want to go he to L.A.? Owns they a got house nothing. in L.A. They got they don't got much there. They have a couple young players who aren't decent. But no. I mean, it sounds yeah. like what's his name from Oklahoma City is going to L.A. George. Oh, Paul George. Okay, I was Paul George. So there's somebody to start with. Although he looked well, he looked crappy at, at Oklahoma City. But I think that has to do with. Even though he's a great player, Russell Westbrook doesn't play well with others. No, he does not. And I think that you'll find that's why Durant left. Right. Yeah. I got to play with somewhere where there's a team. Yeah, a super team. And when I pass it to somebody, they might pass it back. Just, right. a, just a thought. Now it might pass it well, back. Westbrook to me. will pass it if he's going for a triple double. 
That's right. No, seriously. <laughs> that was the complaint about Rajon Rondo. He cared about getting the assists for his stats, not because mm. it would win the game. And that is too bad because if you've seen, he's taken, he took the Bulls when they were horrible and they won a playoff series, uh, was it a year ago or two years ago? Mm. Now he's with the Pelicans. They've won a playoff series without... Uh, See, I had no idea Rondo's on the Pelicans. <laughs> yeah, well... It kind of disappeared off my radar. It's... Uh, yeah. What's the guy that does little known facts? You know, the, yeah, <laughs> Mark, uh, whatever his name is. Anyway, little known facts. Yeah, there was an. But he, 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 that guy knows how to play. Yeah, he can't shoot, and that's going to be going back to Philly. That's going to be Simmons' fault. It's Ben Simmons, uh, Ray John Rondo, and you, and I don't know. He presents a matchup problem because he's so big and he can handle the ball. Yeah, I mean he's six nine guard. <laughs> Think about it. That's like Magic. Bill Johnson. Russell was six nine center. Magic was what six seven six eight as a guard? No, no, Magic six nine. So he's six nine, yeah, six nine guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think they oftentimes called him a point forward because he really could have played small forward, right? And uh, and I think we've seen that with Al Horford. He he ends up being almost like a point forward. He yeah. He, they pass in the ball and the offense goes through him because he's tall enough and he's a good passer. Yeah. Uh, but I think for Simmons in his career, that's going to be an issue, and. I wouldn't say you always have to be the complete player, but I think that you have to be able to do at least enough to keep him honest. Otherwise, they, the Celtics are going to take a Marcus Smart and put him right in his shirt yeah. and say, you're going to earn every point you get. Last night, he didn't even, he didn't even try to drive in. No, he only took four shots the whole game. Four shots. I missed them all. Four shots for the guy that thinks he's going to be rookie of the year. I don't know if he is going to be. By the way, did you did you love that one? The Celtics fans yelling, not a rookie to him? Oh. I mean, because remember, he was on the team last year. He was year. on the team, but he missed the whole season, right. <laughs> and right. they were saying, why does he qualify as a rookie? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. You know. There was an Onion article, uh, Onion Sports, the satirical site. LeBron James credits teammates with, with providing four bodies necessary to avoid forfeiture against Pacers. <laughs> Uh, this it's was back true. on April 30th. You know, knowing him, he probably would say that, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he called himself, what the heck did he say? Uh, something about the king? I don't know. That, that stuff frustrates me because he is so good. Yeah. He doesn't have to tell us any of that. We already know how Oh, he was he declared is. King James as a, what, a junior in high school by Sports Illustrated? Or the chosen one? They well, when the they cover one. your games when you're in high school, yeah. I think that yeah. somebody's noticed how good. I yeah. mean. He's got a body that you can't make. No. In other yeah. words, if you worked out your entire life, no. <laughs> you, yeah, no, no chance. No. What happens well, first is, first of all, he's about a foot taller than me. You would no. What happens is, you work out, and I'm not against working out. You know that I'm a coach, but you, if in basketball you become too muscled up, and it, and it does affect that that fluid. It's one of the Brady. Yeah. It's one of the. The things that Brady really believes in, that you don't want to be too muscled up. Brady believes in a lot of weird things. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever looked at the TV? No, I, I have not. I, I try to avoid, it, like, scams. It's, it's uh, <laughs> I think the experts feel it's a scam. Yeah. The thing is, he believes it. And that's three quarters of, if you believe it. <laughs> but anyway, going go back to LeBron, if, yeah. if you take another guy that's 6'8", and you try to make a body like that, I, I don't think he can do that. I think God yeah. gave him... Yeah. Something the rest of us, he said, no, Aaron Moss, Dave Wink, no. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not going to do it. No. You guys are on your own. If I was 6'8", I'd re- I resemble a ro- uh, tractor trailer uh, a little bit Charles more. Barkley. Char- Charles yes. Barkley. There you go. Charles, Charles Barkley. Barkley. He said he's not a role model. He's a role model for me. Yeah. The, gr- <laughs> the great, the great, what was it? The great round. The, the round mound round of, of rebound. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Sir Charles. He's been in a little dust up with. Uh, yeah. Who was that? He is, got, it, is it? Uh, Draymond Green. Draymond Green. Yeah. yeah. Well, Draymond Green gets in dust ups with everyone. Oh, he. Yeah. He actually goes around looking for fights. You'd pretty much say he's a dirty player when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he does stuff to hurt people, but he's always involved in something. Yeah. Well, he cost his team that series that time when he got no, suspended. No, there's no question. Yeah. There's no question? He absolutely cost him. So, but are we headed for another Warriors-Cavaliers um, final, in your opinion? Well, Toronto has done what they've always done. Honest to God, when they were when <laughs> they were just when they yeah. were just bombing people, I said, "Boy, Toronto looks really good this year." Matty said, "Pah." Nah, he choke. goes, "No." Yeah. He said, "When the playoffs start, they will fold the tent and go home." Yeah. And and they down. They want had the first two games at home, and they lost both of them. LeBron James literally owns the city of Toronto. I think. Well, they call it LeBronto. LeBronto. Yeah. <laughs> I think that yeah. was, that's pretty good, LeBronto. Poor, poor Toronto. <laughs> And you, you know, it's funny, too. I, I think I told you that I, we went there for our 40th wedding it's anniversary. It's a great city. This summer. Oh, it's a great city. Yeah. And uh, and they get a they get a bad name, I think. They do? For, oh. Well, in basketball. Oh, oh. In basketball. In terms of the fans. And it's too bad. No, I think oh. I just think the, the whole aura of the thing. And it's too bad because they've got some players. Yeah. The Rosen. And, I mean, they, they've got some players. Right. The problem is uh, there's something about when you say, oh, it's playoff time. They they shrivel right up. To yeah. nothing. I mean they they're just a shadow of themselves, and that's incredible. Yeah, at least you'd think that well, wasn't they this year the first time they won a game one in the playoffs like ever mm. in their first round matchup. They they finally won a game one. They had never won a game one before. Was it they, you who gave the statistic about LeBron in in first? He's he's probably, never lost a a opening round series. Is it? That's probably true. I, I think I'm that, not the one who gave that stat, but I, I would imagine that is true. I mean he. Very rarely loses playoff series, <laughs> but you know, I mean, there's some things about fate. You know, I remember when he was with in Miami, and the Celtics had him on the rope. They had him on the ropes, right? And Ray Allen, and uh, yeah, and uh, and just it didn't happen. And then they beat the Celtics at home to win the series. Well, that was against I mean, the Spurs that Ray Allen did that. Through. Yeah, Ray, that's yeah, right. that's what I was thinking about. But yeah, but no. uh, Spurs had him on the ropes also, but. But, you know, Matty and I have talked because we're Celtics enthusiasts. You know, the Celtics won the title in 2008, and they should have won in 2009. Remember, Perkins got hurt. He, oh, he right. landed on, and blew out his ACL and yeah. didn't finish the last two games, and the Lakers, without him in there, yeah. overpowered him and won the series. But uh, you just never know. I, I said when the Celtics won eight in a row, Mm-hmm. The reason they didn't win a ninth in a row on the other end, it was early. The the early they won one, then they lost, then they won eight in a row. Yeah. They won a run ten in a row. Russell got hurt. Oh right. Russell's not hurt. They win ten in a row. Yeah. <laughs> As it was, they run nine out of ten, and of course Russell won uh, eleven out of thirteen. Not bad. So did did you get a chance to like go to the garden and see Russell play? Here's the craziest thing that you would not believe this because I. Matty was saying yesterday, this is, by the way, this is Cinco de Matty. Cinco de Matty tomorrow. Thank you, de Matty. Yeah. He's in New York. Oh, he is? He went down. That's why he's not here today. Okay. He went to New York. I, I never asked why he's not here. He's going <laughs> He's going to the Yankees tonight and the Mets tomorrow. Gotcha. Cinco de Matty. Yeah. So we almost got ourselves talked into because Ryan Palmer was on. 
in his classroom texting us. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know what? We should get out and see the Celtics. Oh, would that have been a great game to see last night? Oh, yeah. Expensive. And he says, then I'll go on to New York. He said, what do I do? I could rent a car. We Anyway, and then and Palmer was texting stuff about, I'll drive. If you guys, you know, we had we kind of had it worked out. So I said, well, we can stop and have supper with my kids. My kids are right there. Yeah. And so I said to my daughter, I said, might might be stopping. I'll let you know tomorrow about stop and have supper. And she said, oh, great. And uh, I said, you know, you wouldn't want to go to a game. He goes, hey. She goes, I'm in. It's not even a basketball fan. I'm in. Right. Yeah. She'll go to anything that's an athletic event. Yeah, and the environment's very fun. So, where the heck is I heading with this? Story? I was asking you if you ever saw Bill Russell. Play. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Jeez, I got a little sidetracked, folks. It must be the coffee. It's yeah. the co- too many, too much coffee. So anyway, I'm at I'm at Maine. I think I might have been maybe a junior, mm-hmm. and that was in the height of the Celtics. Were they won every year? Right. They were unbelievable. Yeah. There was some backlash because they had five black starters, and there I'm was sure there was there was backlash yeah. uh, in whatever. So anyway, one of the guys in the fraternity house was from Philly. Mm-hmm. So we look and we said, "Wow, boss, the place Philly tonight." I said, "Let's go." Right. It's like noontime. Let's yeah. go. And they said, "Good idea." We got we got five guys. I had a Mustang. Five guys. A little crowd in the back. We went. We jumped in the car. We drove to Boston the day of the playoff game. Is that like a four-hour drive from Orono? Yeah, Green, yeah, at least maybe at least a little four, more than that. Yeah, yeah. four, almost five. Yeah, and <laughs> five guys the day of the game leave Orono at noontime. We yeah. get there, we park, we go in, and bought a ticket. Yeah, I mean they walked. The NBA in, wasn't that popular. Then. Walked in, and I looked around thinking. The garden, I mean, the garden was pretty special place. I mean, it's a rat trap. It's like Fenway Park, but you had to go there. Well, they made Fenway nice, though. Yeah. Fenway's oh, nice. the menu, they, they, Fenway they is really Fenway nice. a lot. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, the day of the game, we did it We did it over that couple of years. We went two or three times the day of the game. So not only did I see him play, yeah. we we got there early when one of the games, and we, we went to concession. Dare I ask how much the tickets were? Oh, no, nothing. I don't remember. Ten dollars, twenty dollars. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Something like, no, seriously, something yeah. like that. Really? Yeah, because yeah. I bet they. I didn't go on stuff up to look, but I bet they were one hundred fifty now. Uh, I bet they're way more than the day of the game. The day, yeah, plus I, he's, And if somebody's selling them, they're like five hundred dollars. If somebody's selling them online, they were two fifty at least. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, they were. They were probably nothing. Um, the day of the game, walk in, get a ticket. So anyway, we got the early and said, "Let's get a dog." We hadn't had lunch, you know. Blah blah blah. And suddenly, this door opens. It's just like an innocuous door. Door opens. Out walks Russell, Heinsohn, right straight across. Yeah. Now, on TV, I mean, Russell always looked thin. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't the Wilt Chamberlain, right. you know, 280 pounds. No. He was yeah. pretty thin. No. We're talking skinny. Right. He looked like Chris Sale. Seriously. <laughs> I kept looking at him thinking, Russell, is that? Thin. I, I must have said it five times as they walked across. I yeah. could not believe how thin they all look. Because television is better now. I think it's more realistic. But in those days, I think television made everybody the look. Camera added ten wow, pounds. At least said. ten. Yeah. I think at least ten. <laughs> and then when I uh, was a student at Maine, Russell came to Maine. Um, I don't know what they called it, but he sat up on. They put a stage in Memorial Gym. Mm-hmm. And that place was packed. And I got there wicked early, and I sat right down front. Yeah. This is my guy. And he told stories, and 
and answered questions. And because he's a political activist, I mean, he's he's into it. Yeah, there, there was a game, preseason game, and the place it was when the NBA they really they really sold the preseason to get people interested in the season. Mm. Cheap cheap tickets, but places packed. Yeah, and uh, they were going to stay in. I can't. I think it was Michigan. To be honest with you, I think they were playing. Might have even been Fort Wayne then. I don't think it was Detroit yet. Oh wow, Fort Wayne. Yeah, Fort Wayne. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, I forgot they had an NBA team. Yeah, the place yeah. was packed, and uh, Russell had just heard from two of his teammates that uh, they were not going to be allowed to eat oh. in the dining room of the hotel. Yeah, Russell went to our back and he folded his arms. He said, "We're not playing." Right. Bill said, "I'll come," and he told him. He said, "Because we're not going to be allowed." He goes, "Okay, pack them up." Yeah. They, they turned around, got on their bus, went to the airport, headed home. Yeah, never played. Yeah. We are not, we're not, right. we're not promoting that whole thing. They, they and Arbeck, I got to give Arbeck credit because Arbeck was Jewish, right. so he understood what prosecution was all yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. But they, yeah. uh, no, they stood up for the things. And and if you read Russell's book, I've never believed in in treating athletes different. If you're the star quarterback, you get the same within reason, the yeah. same treatment as you break the rule. For right. me, if you break the rule, you get the same punishment as Johnny X. As a third string, yeah. He I used end. to give Russell days off from practice, knowing uh-huh. that we're not going to win any games if he's not healthy. And, right, he was the key to the and, whole thing, um, yeah. And he said, in Arbeck's book, they both had books about the same time. Arbeck mm-hmm. said, I used to say to him, I told you, I don't want you here. You think I'm kidding? Right. And Russell said, hey, the other the rest of the team, he said, I don't care what the rest of the team thinks. You're yeah. taking today off. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh and, you know, they do that. They'll say Brady wasn't at practice today. Right. And and when they ask him, Brady will say it's it's an, a day to let my arm, you know, He'll, rest up a little yeah. bit. Belichick would never say that, of course. He would say, well, we're practicing with the guys that are on the field. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let's take another break. When we come back, we'll talk some Boston Bruins. They might be in some trouble. They got a big game tonight. Back in a moment, this is the B-List Daily Sports Time 780, live online at sportstimemaine.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. Remember when your kids spent vacation week telling you how bored they were? Yeah, you're going to have to have a whole summer of that. Until you remember. Registration is now open for University of Southern Maine's summer camps. They've got basketball, they've got soccer, they've got ice hockey, and they have a ton more. I haven't even scratched the surface on this. Find the registration links now. Go to usm.maine.edu. That's usm.maine.edu and search summer camps. University of Southern Maine summer camps where kids should spend the summer. 
We believe in better, a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee and Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee and Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org!
Milis Daily here on Sports Time 780. Coach Dave Wing talking about the Oak Hill days, Levitt days as well. Well, they, we crossed, crossed paths because my kids went to Levitt. Yeah. And I knew Gus LeBlanc from the football days when he was at Dexter. Yeah. And uh, I was the coach and AD at Skowhegan. And the first time I met him, I never played against him. But the first time I met him, uh, we, our program at Oak Hill was, at Skowhegan was so big that we had two JV teams. Now, he says he remembers you from when he went on a recruiting visit to UMaine. Yeah. Yeah. I think he might have been one of the recruits that I, I was in charge of. That kind of <laughs> yeah. he's, he's younger. So anyway, um, so we had a, a regular JV team. We call them the black team. They played against the our regular schedule. Whoever we played, they played JVs Monday. Yeah. Then we had what we call the white team. That was all our younger kids. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to make sure. I mean, if they don't get a chance to play, they're, they're not going to play. Right. So, you know, the board said, yeah, if you got enough kids to do that. I mean, we had 80 kids. What are you going to do with them all? So, uh, so we're playing the JV game um, against – actually, I think it was a day, honestly. we It never happened, but I think we had two games at home. We had a we had a practice field that we had in line, and then we had the game, game field. Anyway – we're playing Dexter mm-hmm. in the JV game. All of a sudden, I see I see Gus, and I remember him from recruiting. And I, so I went over and and because uh, he was just getting started, he hadn't won his championships yet. Yeah, and we had, and uh, so he kind of started asking questions. So what do you think? What see? Watch what we're doing. See what you think? You know, I mean. So we he and I stood in the back of the bleachers talking about. You know stuff, and uh, it was kind of fun. So that's really the first time I, on the recruiting time, I think there was more than one kid, and so I don't know that we had the kind of time like we did this time to just set. We sit, we sit there the whole game and just talk football and stuff. And then, of course, uh, I had just told you the story off the air that I was the principal at Oak Hill, and uh, there was a, an issue. I I thought my superintendent maybe might be going to be get done, and it, and I really liked him and. He was good for a buffer between me and the board. So I applied <laughs> yeah. at Levitt. Yeah. Sort of Gus at the same time. He'd been the guidance counselor, football coach, and AD. Not enough to keep you busy at All Dexter. All at the same time. All at the same at time. At Dexter, of course. Yeah. End up Dexter. in the Dexter Sports Hall of Fame. So yeah. That'll be, that'll be why. Yeah. And uh, and very successful there. Uh, two state championships, I, I I think in a row. Yes. 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 When he had the two, the two Ains twins, okay, they were really good. Back Not back. that that's the only reason you win, but <laughs> but helps. anyway, um, and so um, he got the job instead of me. And actually, my superintendent came back, so I was happy that I stayed at Oak Hill. It, it worked out for it both of us. All worked out. So and he was got to, uh, he was the principal at Levitt for ten, Patty, right? for ten years. Yeah, <laughs> and he called me after he came to Levitt. He says, "You know, I I think you got a a socialized English combination opening." And Patty actually was certified for both. You don't yeah. find many of those. Yeah, we switched it eventually where she just taught English. But uh, so anyway, he said, uh, "I think my wife's going to apply." Because it's going through my head. Oh, geez, because I hadn't met Patty yet. And I'm thinking, <laughs> "Oh my God, if she if she's not very good and I don't hire her, that's a problem." I hope it isn't going right. to be a problem for Gus and I and whatever. Well, yeah. we loved her yeah. as you would expect right from the get go. <laughs> and and uh, so of course once. The Roger Fuller and I, the department head, once we talked to you know, partway through the interview, we both could see that she was who we wanted. And so then I decided I'm going to play a little game. I So 
we were three quarters of the way through the interview, and I opened up her resume, and again, I said, now, Ms. LeBlanc, I said, now, it says on here that you went to Bates for two years. And, uh, of course, Jeff Sturgis was our assistant principal, AD, for a long time. Yeah. He was a, he's a Batesy. Oh, yes. And reminded us often. Yes, I'm sure he did. <laughs> so, so, of course, that was a bone of contention. So, anyway, I said, well, she said, yeah, I, she didn't say it out loud, but Gus always said, yeah, well, she was in love with me, so she came back to Maine so she could be with me. <laughs> that, that's a story, and I'm sticking with it. But, anyway, um, so I said to her, "Well, all right. Well, we're not going to hold that against you," and and I didn't, and I never clarified anything about it, and she didn't say anything. So, of course, eventually we hired her. So finally, you know, Patty, she came in. She said, "I'm I'm really happy to be here." She said, "I I do have a question though," and I said, "What's that, Patty?" And she said, "Well, I don't understand. I thought two years at Bates would be a plus for a candidate," and I said, "Oh, it is." She said. Well, why did you say that? And then I, I told her the story about Jeff always reminding us. She said, oh, thanks. She said, I went away thinking, I'm never going to get this job. They, they didn't like the fact I went to Bates. <laughs> anyway, so then I'm, uh, I'm in uh, my 12th or 13th year at Oak Hill, 12th, I think. I get a call from Gus on a Thursday. He asked me, he said, is the assistant principal AD's job still open? And I said, well, it closes tomorrow on Friday. I said, why, you have somebody that's interested? He said, yeah, me. And I go, what? I want to say, you have the, you have the principal at Lovett High School. What, what are you talking about? Right, yeah. And he goes, well, it's time for me to have a change. And uh, so anyway, we, we interviewed several candidates. We hired him. He and I were there together for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I left and went to Miranda Cook. And uh, I thought that he would uh, put his name in to be the principal. And he didn't. And I'm thinking, oh, that's strange. Right. So right in the time that they hired a new principal, I get a call from Gus. He says, I just want to let you know. He said, I'm going to Lewiston Elementary School. Ah, yes. I went, elementary school? Yeah. You know about elementary school? It's a little school, different, Gus. yeah. And he said, uh, yep. He said, I think it's going to be a good change for me. And Because uh, he, he knew the superintendent because he used to be the assistant superintendent at Levitt. Right. 52. So that was a kind of a connection. And the guy knew that Gus would be able to take the staff under his wing like he always does and whip him into shape and get him excited. And, and as is outlined always. in the book, uh, One Goal, uh, Gus is featured in that. As, when he was at Lewiston Elementary, he helped integrate the uh, Somali refugees into the into the school, which he, obviously was a, a big challenge to balance you know, everyone's interest and everything, and it worked he out. He just had a way of doing those things. Yeah. And, he, and, he's, and as you know, well, I don't know if you do know... <laughs> He's pretty stubborn and set in his ways. I've got a good story to tell you about him and my wife. And uh, so anyway, make a long story short, and then eventually after, I don't know how many years he was at the elementary school, he went to Lewiston High School and put them on the map, uh, which is in the book, of course, again. Uh, So anyway, my son is a a freshman at uh, first year at Levitt, and Gus the principal. And so Patty is still teaching an old kill course and she invites Chris and I, my wife and I, over to their house for supper one night. So we went. I have told you guys before that one of the things that happens is being a principal is lonely. You you can't be pals with your teachers. Yeah. You can't go out and do stuff with them. I wouldn't say ever, but as soon as I start hanging around with Aaron Morris, going to games and stuff, the other teacher's saying, Oh wow, yeah. 
Melissa's buddy. You know, they can do it. You know, you get all that backlash. Not worth it. Right. And yeah. tomorrow I got to give Aaron Morse hell. So that doesn't work either. <laughs> so anyway, it was nice. We went. So we we always had Apples and Macs. In those days, just Apple. They don't think Mac was really a big thing yet as computers at home. Oh, right. And I remember this a long time ago. And uh, that would have been 1990. Anyway, not important. 96. <laughs> that sounds about right. When I was, I was, I was in elementary school in 96, and we had uh, little basic Mac computers in a computer lab there. Oh, yeah, Apple IIEs. Yeah, we played number crunchers. Yeah, and the, and it was that yellowy, oh, my God, it drove your eyes crazy. They weren't uh, very So anyway, advanced. we're sitting around the table. Well, Gus had instituted a rule when he got there that he didn't care what kind of a computer you had at home. When you passed an assignment into the teacher, they were, they were trying to do it with floppy disks at the time. I remember floppy, floppy disks, yes. And it had to be done on an IBM. An IBM. And Chris Gus said, insisted on it. And Chris said, Why? Yeah. <laughs> this this starts up during supper. Why? Uh, we got Macs and or Apples and my kids are really good at it. Yeah. I, I don't expect him to come in and have to redo it on one of your computers. I mean the two of them got into it. And then I went back and forth. He didn't he would not budge an inch. Gus had to, uh, Josh had to come into school and redo it. Oh, they, she was so peeved. So Patty looks at me and says, well, let's go do something because the two of them are going to argue for that. Because <laughs> my wife is as stubborn as he is. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, we've had a long-time relationship with little blanks. And, yeah. of course, we've kind of told the story on the side that uh, the year that Mike Haley uh, was was in the hospital there quite a bit, I called Gus he and I said. He became part of the Gleason Media Broadcast yeah, team for he, a year. Gus was still at uh, Lee Academy as he is uh, now and he's yep. retiring, I just he heard. He's retiring, yeah, that's official. And so, so I not, called him and uh-huh. I said, hey, uh, what are you doing Friday night? He goes, why? I go, well, I need somebody to, I'm going to do play by play. I need somebody to do color. He goes, I'm in. Yeah. When I, I had sent a note to Patty, I said, Gus going to be home this weekend? She goes, I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and she said, why? And I, I emailed her back and I said, well, because. I told the wife, he goes, oh, God, he'll probably come down. She said. And then so, you lost your voice one so week. I, got, I lost my voice. <laughs> We'd done, I think, five games together. Yeah. I can't believe five Fridays he came all the way from Lee Academy to do games with me. I mean, that's, that's, that's something special, that's isn't it? That's quite a drive, yeah. And so anyway, then I had laryngitis. And so Matt, uh, Maddie said, you go and set the equipment up. Right. And Gus can do the color as usual. And yeah. I got another guy that's going to do the play-by-play. He's from out of state. He's from out of state. I said, I had just moved to Maine. A flatlander? Yeah. You know? And so I went to Edward Little High School looking for the football stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Edward Little game. Yeah, Edward Little game. And it was no football stadium. I'm very confused. (laughs) I thought they would play at the high school. (laughs) So this guy comes in, and I introduce everybody around, and they do the game. I make sure the equipment's up and running or whatever. So make a long story short, eventually... Aaron starts dating Gussel Blank's daughter. <laughs> totally independent of that. He doesn't remember that this Gussel Blank. I don't even know if you caught his last name because you got there. No, boom, I did because I, re- I remembered later writing it down because I thought it was LeBlanc. Uh, right? And so sure. when I asked him, he was like, no, it's actually LeBlanc. And so I wrote down on my paper, La and then like blank, B-L-A-N-K, just so yeah. I remember to say blank. Yeah. And so, but I didn't like, yeah, it took me a while to like remember that. I mean, he had mentioned he had like a daughter went to Edward Little and like stuff like that, and like. But. So they're suddenly dating, <laughs> and she takes him home to meet the folks, and says, uh, "Wait, I know this guy." Well, it's not when I saw no. him; it's before I met him. 
But I remember I was, it just came to me one day. I was sitting in, in the living room or whatever, or one of the rooms, and there's a trophy up on the wall, the state title trophy, the yeah. gold ball. Dexter. So yeah. I'm like, wait a second. I, it, it, it's not what I met him. It was before I met him, but I, all of a sudden it came to me that I had done a football game with someone named Gus LeBlanc, and that's her dad. Uh-oh. <laughs> so it's a small world. That was quite the moment, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, when I met him, I mean, obviously recognized him. He kind of remembered me. I don't, I don't know. I remember Maddie texting me after the game saying, "Hey, good job, but let Gus talk more next time." <laughs> that is one of your issues. Not on this show, by the way. Not but, on this show. No, no, I let you care. This is your time. Well, your the show. the uh, <laughs> I I think it's, well, it's interesting. radio. The play by play guy has to talk more. Well, I I told you when I first did a game for NBR, it was streaming only, not on the radio. Now we do mm-hmm. both. Yeah. And so I had texted my daughter. Yeah. And I said, hey, listen to this online and give me some feedback. Yeah. So uh, it was supposed to be Gus again, and he it's not important why he wasn't there, but he couldn't be there. Right. And I had seen Cody Provost, who has done some games for us in the past. You uh-huh. don't know him. No. Um, so Provost, who's a major league broadcaster for the Brewers, but nope, someone else. not that guy. <laughs> and um, so he was in broadcast journalism at uh, Nescom in, at Husson. Oh. And uh, so this is what he wanted to do for a living. I said, hey, I got a deal for you. You want to do a game with me on Friday? He goes, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he comes. So I'm going to do the play-by-play, yeah. which is what I usually had done uh-huh. for a couple of years. He's going to do the color. Right. So we get started in the game. So I had texted my daughter. I said, give me feedback. So my phone lights up. And I look at the text, and it says, is there another guy in the booth with you? He wasn't talking at all. <laughs> he wasn't yeah. talking at all. And I said, so at at the quarter break, I text back. I said, hey, he's just not talking much. She goes, yeah, right. Like that. She knows I like to talk. So anyway, <laughs> at that time, I said to him, Cody, you got to jump in. He said, Coach, I remember he played for me. Yeah. He played for me at, at Oak Hill. And he said, uh, I, I don't know that I know enough football to add the details and whatever like you uh. could. And I said, well, just tell him, oh, the running attack's going well. You don't have to tell him what the play is or <laughs> any of that stuff. <laughs> right. So we did. We went till halftime. At halftime, I said to him, how about this? You want to do play-by-play? I'll do the color. You switched at halftime? We switched at halftime. <laughs> did you let the viewers know you were switching? Or you just yeah, did I said, it? we're going to okay. switch it up here. Right. Cody's yeah. going to take the mic. And, you know, so, and that was it. After yeah. that, he always did, when we did a game together, and we did a bunch. We did some for that other station there, too. It's a main nameless. Okay. Uh, he did the. He did the play-by-play, and I did the color. Because the good news is, or the bad news, I like doing color in basketball, ice hockey, without a doubt. I would rather do play-by-play in football and baseball, softball. Yeah. Maddie always has said <laughs> lately, once he's found you and some other guys, uh-huh. uh, Russ Thompson and whatever, Right. I would rather have you do the color because that is what you do. You know well, yeah, the sport. Yeah, you bring the coaching perspective to you, it. Yeah. You know what the play is. You know what they're right. thinking and whatever. He's right. It just happens that in <laughs> in particular in football, I would rather do. And and basketball is tricky because it's happening so quickly. Well, that's why I know I can't do hockey. I can't. I'm not quick enough. Well, no, I'm just talking about like color commentary in basketball. You can barely get a word in because the play-by-play has to. Describe everything, so you know. Whereas in hockey, I, I, I when we work in hockey, I'm like, all right, coach, what just happened? Yeah, what happened? Coach? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, here's the <laughs> Not best. Sure I saw that one. <laughs> here's the best part of that. So Cody and I are going to do a hockey game. He, yeah. he might have gone to one once, but that's it. He's not a hockey guy at all. He's a basketball player, right? So it, we're starting off, and he's very good. And I think 
Manny said the reason he was so good is he had to totally focus because he can't get distracted at all because he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. <laughs> so he gave a great description of what he was seeing, right. and then I filled in the details. Yeah. But he was saying blocker save when it was a pad, you know, the pads. He was thinking the pads were blockers because he'd heard the term. The oh. blocker is what's on your forearm, oh. you know, and so, so people thought on, everyone, on, on your on your like stick this. on your stick side. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I it, I didn't even know what that I didn't in, know that. Yeah, in between the periods, I corrected him. He goes, "Oh, thanks." Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty. It was pretty interesting <laughs> to do hockey games with him and you when you're not hockey people. No, it's pretty not interesting. at all. Well, speaking of hockey, Bruins, Bruins tonight they're trailing two to one. How much trouble are they in right now? Well. If they don't correct the mistakes they've been making, the series will be over. Mm. Not tonight, but it will be right. quickly. Because if if Tampa wins tonight, the Bruins would have to win three games in a row, which is really hard in a series. Yeah, and two of them would be at Tampa. Right. Uh, what's happened is, uh, and we're going to have to talk about this part of the next next segment too. Um, Tampa's really fast, just like Toronto was. The difference is they're they're really good defensively, mm-hmm. which I underestimated. When the Bruins play in the regular season, the Bruins are three and one. Yeah, and and I won't say dominate because you don't dominate Tom, Tampa, <laughs> but uh, but they've had layers of defense, which is the way the Bruins have always played, and suddenly the Bruins are, are not doing that. Mm-hmm. They can't seem to get it in the in the offensive zone, and and there there are a couple of things. The old Detroit Red Wings teams of Mike Babcock that was so uh, successful. Never dumped the puck in. They had Russians. They always skated in because the Russians never dumped the puck. That's a North American thing. Okay. Dump it in and beat the crap out of the defenseman and <laughs> get the puck and That score. sounds American, yeah. And uh, and so the Bruins this whole year have, that's why they used a little bit smaller, like Krug and whatever, puck rushing defensemen because they got the defense bring it up because people were trapping in the in the zone. Well, you you've got... You got to let him go a little bit because if you go after the defenseman, he passes the forward. Now he's he's on the other side of you, closer to the net. Yeah. Anyway, all of a sudden the defense is turning it over, can't seem to find anybody open, and they're not skating it up the ice. So when Tampa gets it, they're already at center ice, headed back in. Yeah. So all the time is in the Bruins' defensive zone. It's just a matter of time before you're going to make a mistake and the puck deflects off somebody and it's in the net, right. which is exactly what's happened. Uh, so that's going to have to change. I think the biggest thing, and you know, as we finish up this segment, in the Toronto series, Patrice Bergeron has been, if not the best faceoff man in the National Hockey League, he's in the top two or three. He's that good. It's one of his specialties. Yeah. Evidently, I'm hearing, I've heard this the last two days, Evidently, before the series started, Toronto started, and that's Babcock. He is the master. He's like uh, Phil uh, Phil Jackson. If I complain Zen about the officials, yeah. they will start calling him my way. <laughs> he started complaining that that Bergeron is jumping the gun on the on the faceoffs, and it's not right. Oh. Well, whether he is or isn't, they called it a certain way for eighty two games, right, all year long. Yeah. Nobody's complained, and there's been no difference. Suddenly, in the Toronto series, he got thrown out of the face-off circle 24 times. Are you kidding me? (laughs) 
That's more than most guys even take face-offs. He yeah. got thrown out 24 times. Well, guess what? It's in his head, certainly. Yeah. He doesn't know, and no explanation. Nobody, I mean, they're not going to stand there and say to a professional, this is what you're doing, like you might in high school. Right. <laughs> they're making a call. Yeah. And they tossed him out and tossed him. So then he's in there, I don't want to go too early. And then the other guys are getting the face-off. He's not even, it's not even neutralizing it. They're getting a clean face-off. Well, suddenly the Bruins don't have the puck any because the other team keeps winning the face-off. Right. So I think in this series, one of the things that's affected the initial outcome is Tampa has the puck all the time because, for instance, Bergeron hasn't won any face-offs. And I think the Boston people want to know, why are we changing the rules partway through? If he was doing this wrong all year, where you been? Right. Same officials. Yeah, they didn't like bring if, in new guys. If they started calling LeBron for like offensive fouls or traveling or something. Well, I because I, I think they should call it traveling. traveling. One of the re, one of the regular rules. They started you know? calling traveling. Haley loves that. He, yeah. when, when they were in in Maine, you know, they had a what they called a seatbelt rule for a while in high school. The coaches are so aggressive and obnoxious on the sideline. The the MPA said you must sit on the bench. While you're on the game's actions. Really? On. You couldn't seat, stand up. Seatbelt rule. Some guys actually got a seatbelt and attached it kind of to <laughs> dump on the rule. <laughs> when did they finally overturn that rule? Well, what, hap- what happened was there's so much complaint about it. The I'm coaches, sure and I can't was. imagine having to sit and not ever get up. Oh, that'd be awful. And and uh, so Haley, Haley's great story is the coach would come to him and say, Coach, are you going to enforce a seatbelt rule tonight? And Haley said, hold on, hold on. You know him. Which, Haley which, was officiating? Yeah, oh, yeah. he's a basketball official. Yeah, good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. He'd say, because he had a hair trigger, you couldn't even speak to him, and he'd call it technical. <laughs> and he, of course, when he was a coach, he's a baiter. I mean, he was yeah. here all the time. <laughs> I, I remind him of that. But anyway, I put him up in the towel when we were coaching together. The guy said, if you're on the side, and we're going to get a penalty. Right. So anyway, um, Haley would always say to them, hold it, which – Let's have a list of the rules. Which ones would you not want me to enforce tonight? <laughs> right. You don't right. want me to call traveling three seconds, uh, <laughs> uh, hand checking. What do you want me not want me? And they go, what? No, I want you to call. He says, well, this is a rule, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to call her if it's a rule. Right. Then they went to the, uh, eventually went to the coaching box. It's been a long time now. But oh, they have when a, I first started out yeah. as a coach and an AD, there was a seatbelt rule. It was That's miserable. Awful. Miserable. <laughs> and, well, I, and my point was, people asked me as an AD, what do you think of it? I said, it's stupid. It's the official's job to control the game. If the coach's out of control, put a tentacle on him. Yeah. And the second one, he's out. Right. <laughs> I said, otherwise than that, we don't need to sit somebody. I mean, it's almost like you're being punished for yeah. being a coach. What is that? Yeah. If they become obnoxious, put a tentacle on them. The rules are pretty clear. The only coach I remember, I mean, well, only coach nowadays who sits the whole time, Coach K sits pretty much the whole time. And... Phil Jackson used to sit the whole time. That's because he had yeah, he had injury. a bad back. And Steve Kerr, I think, sits a lot because he has a bad back. But. Right on back. In the old days, I think coaches did a little bit more. Yeah. Then it became almost fashionable. Look at me. I'm the basketball coach here. Right. And and I think that's what happened in Maine High School. When mm-hmm. when the Jim Valvanos, uh, God love them, uh, uh, Bobby uh, Knight, those guys were more the show than the team. Well, Bobby Knight had to stand because he would throw his chair across the um <laughs> Yeah, he had to stand. <laughs> the right? chair. But, I mean, they were so much the show that yeah. high school coaches started to look at me. That, they, just, they, they imitate. And so they yeah. said, sit down. And yeah. I, I think it was a foolish rule. And my, when they asked me when I was in with the MPA, I said, hey, look, the officials are in charge of the game. If the guy's being obnoxious, warn him once, and then put a technical on him. He knows that the second tentacle, he's in the locker room. Yeah. Is he going to help his team there? 
Then they eventually said, let's come with a compromise. So they went with a coach's box, uh, which allows them to move up and down. Um, I'm still not so sure that they don't get – they're a little better. I think that they know that we could go in the other direction. Yeah, right. But I think that that group of coaches kind of is gone. I think now they're much more the Brad Stevens. Do my job. Right. Coach my kids. Stay under control because I want them under control. Yeah. He stands, but he doesn't like. Yeah, he didn't run, run it and down. Show and of it, yeah. Somebody, I think, got a technical in an NBA game. The start of the playoffs, he went all the way to midcourt. It's outside uh, the coach's box. Oh, yeah. And they teed him. <laughs> probably He probably said something also. But. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, let's take another break. Uh, when we come back, I believe you want to do a Mount Rushmore type Yeah, deal. and I want to do just a, a little more on the Bruins. Maybe just maybe. a little bit about the Bruins. Right. Yeah, night Game tonight. Big game tonight. Big game tonight. We'll be back in a moment. This is the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and online, sportstimemain.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit spectrumhcp.com forward slash ortho. Remember when your kids spent vacation week telling you how bored they were? Yeah, you're going to have to have a whole summer of that. Until you remember. Registration is now open for University of Southern Maine's summer camps. They've got basketball, they've got soccer, they've got ice hockey, and they have a ton more. I haven't even scratched the surface on this. Find the registration links now. Go to usm.maine.edu. That's usm.maine.edu and search summer camps. University of Southern Maine summer camps where kids should spend the summer. We believe in better, a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee & Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee & Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1 888 980 WAVE. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy 
If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all-new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and live online at sportstimemain.com. Aaron Morse filling in for Maddie B on this Friday. I understand Maddie's having a good time watching Yankees and C- Mets games. Cinco de Maddie. He's calling it yeah. Cinco de Maddie. <laughs> hey, he well deserved, certainly. Uh, oh, boy. Extremely hard. For sure. Uh, here at um, Gleason Media doing the Breakfast Club on Maine's Big Z. And, of course, this is the Beelist Daily on Sports That's Time. That's at 5 a.m., 5 to noon, really, when you think about it. Yeah, basically. Um, all right, well, a little bit more Bruins because this is a big game, and it's a home game for Boston. They're at home. They tonight, get the last change. 7 o'clock, NBC Sports Network, Tampa Bay up 2-1 to one in the series. Uh, what are some keys for the Bruins to even this thing up? Well, I think that they've got to handle the puck better. Everybody complains about Rask, but you know what? He he really has kept them in the games the mm-hmm. last two. Yeah. In that first period the other night, they I swear they could have scored six goals. He he was unbelievable. He doesn't make the one like you used to see with guys where they stack the pads and all this crazy stuff, mm-hmm. but he makes a lot of really good saves. Yeah. They've got to handle the puck better. They've got to be more disciplined. You know, Marshan's been really upset because there are a couple of things that happened to him that they didn't call him. Inconsistent in the first the first couple of games that were horrible. Matter of fact, the NBC announcers in between periods complained about the officiating. That's how bad. Wow. It was. Two neutral guys. Yeah. How bad the officiating was, <laughs> and mostly against the against the Bruins. Yeah. High stick that it wasn't the guy's stick. It was the guy hit himself. 
Oh. And they got a four-minute major penalty, and it never even touched them. Wow. Stuff like that. Yeah. So anyway, and I think that's in the head. And then Martian is trying to – he got a breakaway that could have tied the the second game up. It was a definite slash according to the rules. They didn't call it because it – I think because it would have been a penalty shot. They mm. hate that in the in the playoffs. It, it, it. They think it changes the game. Well, if it's a rule, it's I a always rule. feel it's a rule. Enforce it's a rule. the rules. And it's, it's the same. Said, right? It's the same as the first the period book. as it is in the third period. Yeah. It's the same. Same rule. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so what he what does he do the other night? He takes a two handed to a guy, and when they call him for it, like they should, mm-hmm. he starts whining about, "Yeah, call him tonight." What is that? Get over it. It's done. You, you can't you can't change it now. It was a whole game ago. You're talking about Marshan, right? Yeah, Marshan. Yeah, he's kind of a crazy person. Oh, right? he's yeah. he's on the edge. <laughs> That's the reputation. That's, you I've love heard. him and hate him. That's yeah. a, and then Krug is a fairly small defenseman when you when you look at defenseman, but he's a, a puck moving defenseman, which is they want him for. Well, right away Tampa started in his face, hitting him everywhere, all over the ice, and a couple of cheap shots. Yeah. What does he do? Gets two penalties, one for retaliating, another one just to try to get even. That's not his game. Mm. Skate. So so handle the puck, discipline, and I mean discipline like that. Yeah. Stay out of the penalty box. They get the best power play in the league. Yeah. Why would you want to give it to them? Second thing is, I, I, I mean, third thing, I, I think I'm a whiner here, but I, I don't <laughs> think the officials have been fair to the Bruins. Mm. I think with the whole face-off thing, they've missed some penalties. They've allowed Tampa. I, my wife even mentioned it. She said, boy, Tampa's checks are all high. Mm. Right in your face. Yeah. I think a couple of them have been clearly illegal. Should have been a penalty. And I think officials get in the Stanley Cup playoffs, there tend to be less penalties because it's this old adage that's left over from the old days. We don't want to affect the outcome of the game. Uh, well, when you don't call a penalty that should have been, you affect it anyway. Yeah. Because then teams start taking advantage of that. Don't swallow your whistle. Yeah. yeah you You can't. And and they've done a really good job these last like five years of not doing that during the regular season. Mm-hmm. They 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 call it even in overtime they call penalties. So I think those are a couple things. That's eh, okay. I think the other thing that Cassidy's got to face is uh, Grizzlick is a rookie and he's made a couple mistakes lately. They they tend to have been magnified because they get goals right after. You, you take anybody off the ice that hasn't made a mistake, eh, well, there's nobody playing anymore. Yeah. That's the way sports are. You make mistakes. Right. Um, intentioned or otherwise. Uh, so he's got to make decisions of what he's going to do there. I think the bigger issue for me is they've got nothing out of anybody other than the first line. So what Tampa said is, the first line's not going to score. Mm-hmm. I don't care what we have to do. Right. Well, w- when that's your goal in the game, you, you probably can be – I mean, the, the Bruins have shut out the Tampa's first line. They haven't scored until – Empty netter uh, on Wednesday night. Finally, Stamkos got a got a got a goal on an empty net. That's the only way they've scored. So both teams have shut out the first line. So you need that other two right. three lines to do something. Yeah, shut. They've done nothing. Not only have they not scored, they can't even get the puck up the ice. And he's got to make some changes. Now I know that they traded for Rick Nash, and he's got skill. He's big. He's strong. He's got a great shot. The problem is, this is a series of speed and quickness, mm-hmm. and he's neither one of those. Yeah. And so he doesn't get any great chances unless he's standing in front of the net. Yeah. Well, they haven't got it in there enough and controlled the puck enough to have him in front of the net. So uh, in one of the games against Toronto, they moved him down a line. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, when you got a superstar, it's pretty hard to sit him up on the ninth floor when he's making big money and they just traded away rookies for him. So Cassidy's solution was to move him down a line. Decent solution, nothing happened, mm-hmm. and it didn't do anything anyway. So he's got to make some decisions about what is he going to do. Uh, I think Danton Heinen has been terrific all season long, and he's going to be a good player for them for a long time to come. But I think the playoffs have been gigantic for him. Some guys, that that happens, and it takes him a while to get the feel for that. Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk about what are they going to do about Donato. When he brought him in at the end of the year after he finished his year at Harvard, he gave them a terrific lift at the end of the season. Scoring goals on the power play. I mean, he was like almost the talk of the town. He was so good. It's like McAvoy last year. Then the playoffs start. He's out. Everybody's healthy because, see, Rick Nash had been hurt, so they put him in in Rick Nash's place, and he, he was great with Krejci. Mm-hmm. I say move Nash down, put him with Krejci again. Krejci, DeBrusque, and, and, uh, and Donato, I think, has got speed because right now the best player in the playoffs has been Jake DeBrusque. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no hands down. He's got seven or eight goals. Now, I know Pasternak has scored some points and whatever, but quite frankly, he scored them in the games and they were running the other team out. DeBrusque scored them when they really needed them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to do with the third line. Uh, Bacchus, after he came back from the from having part of his intestines out, whatever, he lost weight. He was much quicker, very physical, but the third line has done nothing. Rick, Na- he and Rick, Na- uh, Rick Nash, just does, nothing's happening. Do you even need to play a third line? You just play two lines. Yeah, I, you can't. I, no. I think I don't. I wouldn't say that you couldn't do that. Shorten the bench up in the in the third period, mm, right? Late in the game, yeah. You might not play the fourth line, but you got to play three lines. Okay. They, they, they get gassed. They get gassed, yeah. Uh, and you you what you end up doing is as it is, they only skate forty five seconds to a minute. If you have to change only a couple lines, you'd be changing all the time. And what happens when you change is you give the puck up down the ice so you can get everybody on and up. Right. That's all you do is send it down the ice. You could change if you're only having two lines. Yeah. So you got to have three or four. I think four is the answer. Mm-hmm. The difference has been that, that Toronto's middle two lines have dominated the room. I mean, dominated. They get guys that when you say their name, everybody goes, Who? Mm-hmm. But they're scoring the goals because yeah. it isn't Tampa's first line, right? Um, so I, I, they're correctable things. I think Toronto maybe is a little better than they are. It's just like Milwaukee and the Celtics. I think Milwaukee's right. a better f- physically. They were better, a lot of talent. But but the Celtics figured out a way to make it happen. I think that's what the Bruins have got to do. They've done it all year. When they've been up against it, they yeah. found a way. They never had any really long losing streaks. When they got in a little bit of a funk, Cassidy made a little tweak here and there, mm-hmm. found a different line combination. Uh, they worked out things that they needed to do differently. I mean, they spent the last couple of years under Claude, uh, when Claude was the coach, doing D to D, back and forth. I mean, they never even started breaking out, and they got penned in all the time. Cassidy released the, the defenseman said, skate it up the ice. Mm. Well, they haven't done that. They got to do it. All right, so, we'll see. I, I think they got a shot. Bruins trailing two to one in the series, but they got a chance here. Obviously, at home, although we talked about earlier, in home ice may not be as big factor as home gym and it's not as much as ice ice hockey as it is in basketball. Hopefully, it'll work for the Bruins tonight at seven o'clock. So we did a lot of what's yeah. your Mount Rushmore? You're a Seattle fan, okay? So give me your Mount Seattle. Rushmore of baseball players in Seattle. 
All right, so top four, that means, of uh, baseball players ever to play for the Mariners or maybe the Seattle Pilots or the Seattle Rainiers. Oh, boy, uh, you're going back now. <laughs> that Fred Hutchinson might People be People are saying, who? The who? Nah, I know, right? Um, no, I'll, I'll stick with the Mariners. Now, the question is whether we differentiate the franchise. Like, for instance, I would say Ted Williams is a great Red Sox player. He was a little bit before my time. I was oh, just oh you talking about my life? Well, my lifetime is my lifetime in terms of the fact that the Mariners were awful before I was born. That's true. So. They've been awful for most of my life, but they were good for a while. <laughs> Red, Red Sox, same for so me, though. So, Griffey debuted when I was two years old. Oh, my. Yeah, 1989. Um, so, well, maybe even one and a half. But uh, I was born last day of 87. But uh, So, Griffey debuted when I was very young. But, obviously, I, I, I watched oh, yeah, him play. It's, it's Griffey. Um, no so, Griffey's on the Mount Rushmore. Um, Randy Johnson is on my Mount Rushmore. Um, the, the tough one for me, and Edgar Martinez is on my Mount Rushmore. Now, the tough one is the fourth spot, okay? You have Alex Rodriguez as a candidate. You do. He No, he was really you good. absolutely he do. He was yeah. very good. In 1996, that was his first full season. He was actually not eligible for Rookie of the Year because he had played too much in, like, 95. And so he was not rookie eligible. But that was his first like full year as a starting shortstop. And he should have won MVP. But honestly, the reason why he didn't win MVP is because the Seattle votes split between him and Griffey. And so Juan Gonzalez won MVP. But A-Rod should have been MVP. He won the batting title in uh, 1996 um, at, in his first full year in the big leagues. Uh, 97, obviously, he helped him go to the playoffs. 98, 99, you know, he was great. Uh, they were their pitching was bad, so they didn't make it. 2000 was his last year at the Mariners. Uh, they won the wild card. They swept the White Sox. They lost the Yankees in six in the ALCS. And that was last year. A Rod was in Seattle. He left under circumstances. I mean, we were not pleased. He went to the Texas Rangers, and we thought, why would you go to Texas? They're dead last, and they stayed dead last the whole time he was there. We thought it was incredibly dumb of him and money. Yeah, he took the money, and we were not happy about it. So he did. He did that when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And then Ichiro arrives, right? So Ichiro arrives the following year. A-Rod's gone. Ichiro's rookie year is 2001. The Mariners win 116 games. They tie the Major League record for wins in one season. They lose the Yankees in five games in the ALCS. Shocking. Ah, uh, just, oh, it was awful. Um, but Ichiro wins rookie of the year, MVP, batting title, gold glove, stolen base title um, as a rookie. Um, coming over from Japan. And then Ichiro goes on to have a great career with the Mariners, but the Mariners have not made the playoffs since that 2001 season. It is the longest playoff drought in um, any professional sport. Really? Uh, any major professional sport. NHL, NBA, NFL, because uh, the Bills made the playoffs last year. <laughs> uh, uh, and so the Mariners now, that's the longest drought in professional sports uh, of the major ones. So it's hard to say anyone after 2001 is deserving, although King Felix... Uh, Felix Hernandez, the way he's been playing, uh, the way he's pitched throughout his career, certainly is a candidate as well. So I'd say for the final spot, we've got we've got Edgar, we've got Griffey, we've got Randy. Easy. Final spot, it's tough between Felix, Ichiro, and A-Rod. I have to go Ichiro. I put Ichiro on Mount Rushmore because uh, he was with the Mariners longer than A-Rod, first of all, with the Mariners for, I think, 10, you know, 10-ish, 10-plus years. Um, and Felix's career, you know, he, he's been great, but he, uh, Ichiro, just what he did... Um, was was incredible, first ever Japanese position player to come over, and was sensational. And so I got I got to say Ichiro gets that final spot. So. What, what uh, no? They brought him back to play this year after he'd been out of the places. Yeah. <coughs> and now he's not. Gonna be, he's forty four years old. Yeah, and he's going to be in the front. <laughs> he's going to be in the front office now. Is that the, what I hear? Yes. So he is not technically retiring. 
he is transitioning into a front office role and will still travel with the team, will still apparently suit up and work out with the team because he still wants to play next year. He, he won't be one of the 25 guys, though. <laughs> no, right? he will okay. not be on the active roster. He's not allowed in the dugout during games. There's a limit to how many people you ha- can have in the dugout. So he's not going to be in the dugout during games, but he's going to suit up uh, and warm up with the team. It's kind of bizarre. I've never seen this happen before. Um, but he's going to be a special advisor to the GM or to the president, I think. Let's face it, they love him, though. I mean, right. you're going to make a and, lot of concessions for that guy. Yeah, and Ichiro, you know, his wife has a home in Seattle. Uh, they split their time between Seattle and Japan. Uh, and so it, it makes sense for Ichiro to Is, is his wife around. Japanese? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But she um, makes a home. I'm pretty sure she's Japanese. She makes a home in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they made, and but he's got a home in Japan also because he goes and works out there during the offseason. Anyway. So um, yeah, so it makes sense for him to stick around, and he was wasting he was wasting a roster spot at this point because sure. he's he's old. He's yeah. he's the, I think he or Bartolo Colon the oldest player. He's even baseball. older than uh, Tom Brady, right? <laughs> Just kidding. He's Brady's forty. Yeah, yeah. much older. That was yeah. a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> Brady though. So yeah. you you were uh, you remember the Seattle Seattle SuperSonics? <laughs> Vaguely at this point, yeah, yes, I, they left in two thousand eight, but yes, I remember them. Very the name clearly. Jack Sigma comes to mind. Who would you rush more of? This, okay, this? so. During my lifetime, because Jack Sigma was before my lifetime. Oh, it was before that. Yeah. During my lifetime, it's fairly straightforward, I think. Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, um, Detlef Shrimp, and... Ray Allen, was he, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Ray Allen was really good. I'd put Ray Allen on there. He was he was after those guys. He was really good. He let them, like, after Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and Detlef Shrimp all moved on, um, Ray Allen really, uh, for a brief time... Led the Sonics to some nice playoff appearances. So, yeah, uh, Ray Allen was an outstanding shooter for the Sonics. Uh, what a long career he's had, by the way. Uh, I remember he was in that movie, He Got Game, back like in the early mid 90s yeah. when he was with the Bucks. Because they traded, I believe what they happened was they traded Vin. No, who they, they traded Gary Payton. It was a three way trade. When Gary Payton got traded, Ray Allen came over. And so that was a pretty good trade. I mean, yeah. Gary Payton was great, but uh, it, was, it was time for him to move on. He finally got an NBA title much later with the Heat. But um, Now, Bill Russell... Uh, coached them before my time. Coaching GM? Maybe. Were they? Did they make the playoffs? I don't remember. Russell, I think, was only there for a year. Three years? No, I think it was, I thought pretty it was short. three years. But. So that's before my time. George Carl was the coach. Oh, yeah. Good one. Nate McMillan... Was a great player, Mr. Sonic. They called him. Yeah, he was a coach, and then um, they left. Now, are they are they going to get a team back? There's been a lot of chatter. Is it hockey that's going there? Which is it? Apparently, they're getting a hockey team. I haven't followed it that closely, but they're going to renovate Key Arena first of all. So Key Arena is right by the Space Needle. It's where the Sonics played. It's kind of outdated. It'll be a tourist attraction if nothing else. Well, no, they're going to renovate it, and they're going to have a hockey team. Yeah. So, have they have they said when? Soon, I don't. Uh, a year. Well, if or they two. could be as successful as the Las Vegas Golden Knights, it would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, they've been phenomenal, by the way. Oh, and it's crazy because they're an expansion team. You never see that. Well, they tightened up which who could you who you could uh-huh. um, protect. Yeah, and like for instance, the Bruins, they ended up not protecting um, Colin Miller, who's was who they took. Mm. And he's been great for them. He's been a regular defender and whatever. Yeah. But if Adam- the hockey team had, I, mean, I think there's a hunger for hockey in Seattle because Vancouver has been good for many years. Um, some of my friends actually root for Calgary. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, the Bruins even left um, Adam McQuaid unprotected. 
Yeah. I mean, he's been with them a long time. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know the exact timetable, but there's going to be a hockey team as far as all indications are. That's going to be very interesting. So, no name or anything like that yet, but uh, it should be fun. And then the hope is down the road, because they renovate the arena, to make it so you can play basketball and hockey in it, you get an NBA team. But there's no concrete plans there. So I mean, it's hard to know. Like, you take, like, Sacramento basketball. They've never been good. Well, they were one year. I remember well, when they had Mike Bibby yeah, and way, Chris Weber. Yeah, way, way back. 2002. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, okay. So that was, a, that was an interlude because they, they, before that. Yeah, they took the, I remember, I remember they took the Lakers, the mighty Lakers with Kobe and Shaq to seven games in the Western Conference Finals. Is that the one where the ball bounced and it came right out to one of the Lakers and he hit oh, a jump? Robert Ory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He, was, uh, he was a killer in the Thank playoffs. Thank you very much. Robert Ory was a clutch uh, player. <laughs> well, you know, I think the... No, the Kings have never been good since then. <laughs> I think when you're out of the way like that, physically, I, I think... Uh, travel's hard. Yeah, travel's hard. It's hard for the team that lives there, and it's hard for everybody else. Yeah. Now, it's it's interesting. Uh, Maddie and I were talking about this yesterday. It used to be if the Red Sox were going on a road trip, they would go to Seattle... The Angel, you know, go right down the coast. Oakland. And then Oakland and whatever, and then come home. Nine games, ten games, whatever. Right. Now they're doing stuff like a game out in one place and then back to Minnesota. And I mean, it's it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And I'm thinking, who who thought of this? If you're going to go to the West Coast, do it. Yeah. Because you're not changing time zones eight times. And I don't, I just don't, I don't get it. Red Sox are lucky, though. They do have teams that are close to them. The Mariners don't. No. I mean, Oakland is. And Denver? Well, they don't, I, well, they don't play Colorado. And like I, I saw one of so uh, Well, they might. I don't think they're doing a regular basis, but they might do some in a league. With yeah, occasionally. Colorado. But like in terms of regular opponents, yeah. Oakland's the, the closest. I mean, I looked one time when they talked about teams travel. Seattle is unbelievable. Oh, by far the most miles. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, of course, the expense of that, first of all. Yeah. The We were talking about physically what happens to an athlete. I mean— We'd say, oh, my God, to be a professional athlete, what a great lifestyle. Well, you know, I'm not so sure. You know, the, the play in one – I mean, they get it's, paid well, and it's a short career, and then you get money. But, you know, you, you play tonight, and then and then crazy in the NBA that you play the next night. Right, back-to-back. Back. Yep. Back-to-back. Back. And in a but different in city. in baseball, you do back-to-back back for the whole season. <laughs> di- yeah, but at least you're in the same city most of the time. Right, and, right. And when it's a getaway day, you play in the afternoon. I mean, those kind of things. Yeah. No, in the NBA, you play in Boston one night, and – and uh, Florida the next night yeah. is a crazy It's very thing. sporadic in the NBA. Yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I always felt bad for teams like Seattle and those West Coast teams uh, and how much they have to travel. Yeah. It's no different from the Dodgers and the, and the Giants and whatever. They're, at least they've got some teams halfway there, you know, Cincinnati and, and uh, like you say, Denver. And, yeah. But travel's tough. You. It wears on you. You know, think about when you have to get on a plane. You fall out to Seattle. It's a long... You're dead for a day. <laughs> you know, physically, you know, you're, you're uh, dehydrated a little bit. Your your sleep pattern's messed up. The time change. Yeah. Three hours time change. It's great when you're on the West Coast watching East Coast games because they start at a reasonable time. <laughs> right. Well, I grew up in Seattle. I used to say, why doesn't the East Coast pay attention to... 
the teams we have here. Uh, living on the East Coast, now I know why, because yeah. the game's in at 1 or 2 yeah. in the morning, well, and people have work. <laughs> it, it, it drives me crazy when, when uh, like the Celtics game last night is in Boston. It started at 8.30. Yeah. What? What are you talking about? 8.30, start at 7. Yeah. Like they do all season long, or 7.30. <laughs> that hour makes, I, I love, the, only the NFL they want to make us feel like what what nice guys they are. <laughs> They're going to start their night games Thursday, Sunday, Monday, whatever. They're going to start earlier, and I'm thinking, all right. <laughs> Instead of starting at nine o'clock or eight, you know, whatever. They're going to start. No, one one of the nights are going to start five minutes earlier. Yeah. The max they're going to start early is 10 minutes. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> Two commercials. Thank you very much. All right, well, we're out of time on the B-List Daily. We're actually a little over time. One minute over. It's okay. I don't know what happens. Does the whole radio station explode? I'm not sure. But uh, Coach Dave Wing, I'm Aaron Moore. Sign off. Maddie back on Monday. This has been the B-List Daily.